0: Are you looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear.
1: The head person. I am not the Savior. I am not the Lord. I am not the Christ. And so as much as you be develop this great life and God begins to use you because you've surrendered to him, you're going to find that people are going to look to you to solve their problems. They're going to look to you to give them all the answers. And for some of us, that might be difficult because um, we could develop pride. We can think we do have all the answers and we are the man or the woman. Instead of saying, you know what, I'm not the Messiah, but I am this, I am the one who point you to him. I'm the one that'll cry out in the wilderness, but I'm not the Messiah. And that's, you know what? Let me tell you something. That's so cool because it takes all the pressure off you and me. All we got to do is just be the mouthpiece. Do you agree with that? I'm not. There's humility all through this thing, isn't there? So I'm not the Messiah. Notice the second one. He says, I wasn't Elijah. He said, They said, Are you Elijah? And he said, I am not Elijah. Now, for some of you, I'm going to speak to those of you that have been a Christian a long time and you've gone through the Gospels and you say, whoa, 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 whoa. There's a conflict right here because I read in one place where Jesus says he was the Elijah, and now I read here where John the Baptist says he's not Elijah. So what was here? Well, one answer could be, well, John was wrong because he's a man. Jesus is right, so he is Elijah. Now, that could be an answer. I wouldn't die on that. I'd probably let you believe that if you want. But at the same time, I think there's a more clear answer. So if I could make it clear, I'd like to share this with you. In Malachi chapter 4, verse 5, just like we like to read the book of Revelation because we want to know what's coming, I think a lot of the Jews sometimes, as they would be reading it, and they'd be looking back to their Old Testament, and they came up with Malachi, they'd be saying, hmm, what's coming, what's coming? And here's what you would read. It said, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the great and terrifying day of the Lord's judging. Hmm, so Elijah is coming. So it's a legitimate question. Hey, John the Baptist, you may be Elijah. You've got special things going on with you. Could it be? We know that the passage, Jesus said, you're the Elijah. So what does it mean? I think the answer, if you want to put it next to your reference there, if you want to, is found in Luke. And I think Luke has the answer to that. In Luke chapter 1, verse 17, when the prophecies came, the angel says this, he, referring to John the Baptist, will go on before the Lord in the spirit of, and the power of Elijah. Here's what I believe. I believe he was Elijah in the spirit and the power of Elijah, but he wasn't Elijah. So he was right when he said, I am not Elijah. I am not that special person Elijah. But on the other hand, very humbly without saying, I'm the, I am the spirit of Elijah. He allowed the angel to identify him as that in, John, in Luke chapter 1. So in a sense, he wasn't the... The Elijah, he wasn't Elijah, but he had that same spirit. So maybe some of you people are going to say a lot of great things about you. I don't know that I would ever want to care as much to have the spirit of Elijah upon me that I could speak prophecy and I could speak great words and people would come and I'd be fearless like Elijah. I don't know about that. But I hope if I could be anybody, that people would see Jesus in me. I'm nobody. but I am a somebody if Jesus is in me. Well, then he goes on to say, I'm also not a prophet. They said, are you a prophet? And John said, no, I'm not a prophet. I'm not one of those kind of people. Now, that's a legitimate question as well, because the Jews, according to Deuteronomy, were looking for this prophet that would come, and they thought that because John the Baptist was so strong as a spokesman for God and pointing people, that he must be that prophet. But in reality, the prophet that Deuteronomy 18 was talking about was the prophet of the Lord Jesus Christ. I do need to say this, though, that when you look at the New Testament, the best that I can find identified in Scripture, John the Baptist was the very first prophet mentioned in the New Testament. So truly, we have that double meaning again. No, I'm not the prophet. I'm not the big kid over here. I'm just a voice in the wilderness. So at the same time, he had authority. People looked at him. They respected him. But he quickly deflected all of that so that no one would miss the mark that it's all about Jesus. And so he said, I'm not the Messiah, and I'm not the prophet. So who are you then if you're not these kinds of things? If you're not the Messiah and you're not the prophet, you're not Elijah, who are you? Would you look at your Bible? Look down there, and here's what you read in verse 22. Who are you? Finally, he said, I'm nothing more than just a voice crying in the wilderness. I'd like to read a quote to you I picked up. Someone said this. John had a very specific and important God-given role in history. This encourages me, but I know in my heart that no matter how simple or small, large or symbolic, God has a specific purpose for me as well. And he'll always be with me and to see me accomplish whatever that purpose might be. This is a, a, a phrase that I like to use. It's like a little limerick, if I can say that. I think there's a lot of truth in this, and I'd like to wish I could live up to this phrase, but if I throw it out to you, maybe it'll work for you, and you might want to follow that as well. Remember, if you want to be great, it's not knowing... Well, actually, it's knowing who you are in Christ, whose you are. It's not knowing certain things about you. And the phrase goes like this. I'm just a nobody who wants to tell anybody about somebody who died for everybody. Is that who you want to be? I don't care about all my titles, all my credentials. I don't care about my heritage, my, ethic, my ethnic background. I don't care about all the degrees that I have. I appreciate all of that. All of that are tools that God has used to put me in front of people or next to people or in life, maybe with some respectability by others. But really, it's not about all of that. I'm just a nobody who wants to tell anybody about somebody who died for Everybody. I think John the Baptist could have written that. Well, so who do you need to know? You need to know who Jesus Christ is. Is everybody awake now? All right, knowing who Jesus Christ is. Let me go through this quickly because we're just about out of time, but I hate to race through this because this is very, very important truth right here because I don't want to just focus on who John the Baptist was and who John the Baptist wasn't because all that is man stuff. What I really want you to do, and I really want you to take your minds and bring it right back here again, who Jesus Christ is. Because I believe if we know who Jesus Christ is, then we will really know who we are properly. And we'll also have not too low of a self-esteem, but at the same time, we'll humbly know who we're not, as long as we know who Jesus Christ is. So let's look at it. Who is Jesus Christ? First of all, John the Baptist knew his presence. Go back to the passage, verse 26. It says, John answered them in saying, I baptize with water, but there stands one among you whom you do not know. Now, if this is your Bible and it says it that way, that's my translation that I have in my Bible. You might want to underline the word, there stands one among you. Circle the word among you. John the Baptist knew this, that no matter how much he would speak about Christ, a man sent from God, pointing people to the light, someone who would be very humble and a baptizer of others, he still knew that wherever he went, that there one stands among him where he was and where others were, that Jesus is in the midst. So let me speak to those of you out here that want to make a great life. And your great life says, whatever I'm doing, I still need to have as the clarion call pointing people to Christ. Then remember, you are never alone. Now, Matthew wrote that as Jesus was saying, lo, I am with you to the ends of the earth. It's demonstrated when John the Baptist was talking about Jesus and he says, look, at Jesus is right here. You don't know him, but he's right here. And some of us, we know theologically he's right here, but I would like you to know that when you go to work tomorrow, men, that Jesus is right there. When you ladies are off doing the work thing or the home thing or the homeschooling thing, when you struggle with it, and you remember, you are not alone. You are, you are addressing the next generation of people, you are helping the people that are confused and frustrated broken with all their hurts, habits, and hang-ups, that you're not alone when you do this. And he says, he's not alone when you present the message, and I love this, and the person who doesn't know Jesus Christ is still not alone, that Jesus is in their presence. There could be some of you that are listening to me right now that are saying, it's so hard to trust Christ. It's so hard to step over the line and place my faith in you. And I want you to know that Jesus is saying, come, 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 come. I'm convicting you of your sin. I'm giving you every reason in your mind. And your heart now is broken. And you sense that need of conviction. And here am I. And it's only by faith. It's easy. I've done the work. You've got to do the believing part. Come, come, come. He's right here. And some of you say, I will trust Christ, but I don't know what's going to all be on the other side. Don't worry about it. He's going to be there and he will never pull, put you or pull you or, or invite you into something that he won't be there to comfort you and love you and instruct you and teach you and empower you. Oh, I'm going to tell you what a wonderful life of being a Christian. So John the Baptist knew that he was in the presence of the Lord. The second he knew the Lord's greatness, verse 27, it is he who coming after me is preferred before me, whose sandal strap I am not worthy to lose which basically means he knew Jesus' greatness. Now that I don't know that you know that. You might know theologically he is Lord. You might know that he is your Lord. But I don't know if you realize how great he is in your life. Now that little phrase that we read, oh, that's so cute. It says here that I'm not worried to unwrap his, uh, his sandal and all of that. I think you need to know the background of that. The Jews knew, the rabbis knew, that rabbis would have the people, their disciples, the ones they were mentoring, they were raising up the next generation of rabbis and a lot of others that were disciples out there that were like a, we might call them, a, what would you call them in today's language? You might call them an intern in the medical field. You might call them someone who had an apprentice. Well, they would know that if you're a, a disciple of someone, you're an intern of someone, you're an apprentice of someone, that you would do whatever your mentor told you to do. You would follow them around, you'd carry their luggage, you'd help with their food, you'd be there, you'd fetch and carry, do everything. But the one thing you didn't have to do is you didn't have to untie their slipper. You didn't have to get their little sandal untied. You could do everything else. That's a sign of humility. It's a sign of, um, I'm just a grasshopper. You know what I mean? You know, you're the big guy, all right? John is saying in that same context that Jesus was so, so great that... It's not that I couldn't do it because that's the lowly thing and I would be exempt from doing that because the rest of the guys that are interns are exempt from that. He was saying that, no, Jesus is so great that even I would want to do this, untie his sandals. I couldn't do it because he was so great. And that's the context in which that was written. That's how great he saw Jesus Christ to be. The third is he knew his purpose. In other words, he knew the purpose of the Lord. It says, the next day, John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. By the way, that phrase, behold, the Lamb of God, is used more than once in that same chapter. So over and over again, John was trying to say, look, 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 the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Now, when you read that, we read it on this side, and we know exactly what that means. Jesus took away the sin of the world. Here's why it was so profound to those that were listening to that. Because the Jews would know, yeah, the Passover, we understand about the Passover. The Passover is that all the firstborn would die if there wasn't blood that was taken from the lamb and put upon the doorpost. So when the death angel would come over, he'd see that blood and he would pass over them and they wouldn't die. So we could see blood is important because the death angel would pass over them. They would know about the sacrificial lamb. Okay, I'm a sinner. They tell me in the law here, i got to take this lamb. i got to kill the lamb, do something with the blood. And that blood is good because it's going to represent Christ's coming and and all of that. So blood is important, and it's a covering. It's an atonement. And so that's great. But now what John the Baptist is saying, no, this isn't the lamb that's going to cover your sins. This isn't the lamb that you're going to take the blood at the bottom of the cross and sprinkle it across your doorpost so that you don't die physically. He's say, no, this is the Lamb of God that's going to take your sins away. That's huge. And I hope that when you go home and you drive in your cars to the beach next week to camp, you remember He is with you. You know His purpose was to pay your sin debt and all of your families and friends as well. Behold the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. But that's not all. He also knew His personhood. It says this, this is he of whom I said, after me comes a man who is preferred before me, for he was before me. Now, when you read that, if you want to go chronologically, actually, look up here if you will, John the Baptist was born before Jesus. So it looks like, oh, wait, he's got his chrono- chronology wrong. He, really, John the Baptist is before Jesus. No, actually, in the Greek, it'll give you the answer because it says he's preferred above me. He's higher than rank than me. He is far greater than I am. And that's what it means to he was before him. So he knew his personhood. Yes, Jesus is all God. Yes, Jesus is all man. And behold, the Lamb of God. Lamb, man, of God, God, who takes away the sin of the world. And he also knew his calling. And John bore witness, saying, I saw the Spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained upon him. I did not know him, but he sent me to baptize with water and said to me, upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining on him, this is he who baptizes with the Spirit. I'm almost done. Let me give you this. When that was written in John, that happened, some people say, between six weeks and six months. In my belief, I think it was closer to six weeks after... The testimony when John was baptized in water. I mean, when Jesus was baptized in water. So what he's doing is kind of reflecting back. And if I could kind of take you back in time for a moment. John the Baptist and Jesus basically grew up together because they were cousins. So he knew him. Someone says, I, I didn't know him, he, 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 he didn't know him in all the power and the splendor who Jesus Christ was, but he, he knew him. Yeah, yeah, I know my cousin but I can only imagine when Jesus came along and okay, you're next, you're next, you're next, you're next and you get ready and John the Baptist now comes and Jesus is getting baptized and all of a sudden Jesus comes out of the water and the dove comes down from heaven and the voice of God says, can you imagine? Probably John the Baptist under his breath said, Shazam. You know, I don't know what he said, but it was like, whoa, look, look at this. And that's what he's trying to say here. How huge that was. And then we can see his power. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. If you know Jesus Christ is saved, you don't have to ask for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. You have been immersed with the Spirit the moment you trust Christ. In fact, the Holy Spirit has taken you and placed you into the body of Christ when you trusted Christ. You don't have to get more of the Spirit. The real issue is the Spirit has to get more of you and me by our surrender. And so all the power is in Christ. So as I abide in Christ and he abides in me, that power is now activated although it's inside of me. And I'll end with this. He knew his Godhead. Well, he knew all, all these other things about Jesus Christ. He knew most of all his Godhead. Look at the last part of verse 34. and he says this. I have seen and testified that this is the Son of God. Now, when we read that, again, we read it with so much knowledge and information. Let me say it another way. We read it with so much acceptance of it that we don't understand the impact. When that was said like that, He is the Son of God, it's like saying, this is Jesus. He has the nature of God. When Carol and I used to work with um, youth, we often would have a parent appreciation night at least once a year. Our our youth groups were in the hundreds when we had them. And we had so many kids coming out, and most of them were kids bringing their friends, and so the place was just rocking with kids on Friday nights was our youth meetings. And we would always want to have a time to meet the parents because I wanted to see who went with whom. I want to give the gospel to the parents. I wanted to build relationships and families. So we would do a, a parent appreciation. So we worked for a month or so with the kids, planning with them and how to do a parent appreciation thing. Then Carol and I would have this fun little thing we would do as a married couple and we would look at the parents coming in and we would try to match the kid with the parent by how the kid looked and act and their mannerisms. Do you all know what I'm trying to say? You either teach in a school and you're trying to see the kids come in and then the parents are coming in and you're trying to see, okay, who goes with whom and that kind of deal. Even that illustration is so anemic compared to this is the son of God because Jesus was all God, but he was God personified in the person of Jesus Christ on the earth. So he knew his Godhead. So as I look at that, what do you take home? If you want to be great, know who you are and whose you are. Knowing who you're not. I'm nobody special. I'm just a blood-bought, born-again believer. But also, the important thing is I need to know who Jesus Christ is. Now, with all of that, I think you heard a lot about John the Baptist. Don't pack up yet. John the Baptist was speaking to these Jews and all who would read that part of John. And he was living his life pointing people to Jesus. So here's my question. Was there enough said to you today? Did the Spirit of God speak to your inner person? Did John the Baptist, in a sense, point you to Christ today? He's the Lamb of God that takes away your sin. Not once did he point to your lifestyle. Not once did he point to church membership. If he pointed to baptism, it was a different baptism today. And even then, baptism... By water does not say. So what he was pointing to is Jesus Christ, who was among them, who would only live a few more years before he would then go to the cross that he prophesied he would go to. And he would hang on that cross. He would die. His blood would splatter on the rocks below. He was dead, 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 dead. They took him and placed him into a tomb. A damp, dusky, lonely, sealed tomb. And three days later, he rose again from the dead. Now, he did that then for you now. Would you trust Christ as your Savior? Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? John the Baptist, he truly was the greatest that ever lived then. But it's nice to know that those of you who know Christ as your Savior... You might think you're the least in the kingdom, but you're still even greater than John the Baptist. So, for those of you that now say, Oh, now I know John the Baptist was was here to point people like me to Christ, so I'm responding to John the Baptist's purpose for living. He was a man sent from God, he was to point people to the light, he was a voice crying in the wilderness. I heard that voice. The path is made straight to Jesus. It is not by works. It is by faith alone in Christ. Right now, Lord, I want to thank you for being that Lamb of God that would be slain and that your blood did not cover me of my sins. You have taken away forever and cast those sins into the sea of forgiveness as far as the east is from the west. And I want to thank you that now I have a life that has been reborn. I have a new life in Christ. Is there anyone here today that is ready to look to the light of Jesus Christ? Look to that exit sign out of your dilemma of life and to see that that light at the end of your cave of emptiness and futility is a life that's been forgiven of sin A new life in Christ and with Christ. A life that is forever and ever in heaven. And all you have to do is say, Lord, I'm a sinner and I don't deserve any of this. But I see now how that you did the work. Others then pointed the way. And it was, in a sense, about me to do this. And I want to bring great glory to you now. And I'm trusting you as my Savior. I'm not going to have you stand forward or come... And any stand up or come forward, I'm not going to do any of that. I just want you to know in your heart of hearts, in your mind of minds, are you now so broken and recognizing that you have no hope of heaven, no hope of forgiveness, no hope of light, no hope of greatness until you trust Christ as Savior? So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if today is the day in your heart and your mind you're calling upon the Lord to be your Savior, you're saying, Lord, thank you for dying on the cross and rising again. Thank you again that it's by faith alone. I want to thank you that I'm now in you. If you're saying that in your heart, you'd like for me to pray for you, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. Now, when you raise your hand, that doesn't save you. Me praying for you won't save you. I won't embarrass you. But I mean, I, I just want to come alongside you. and let, Let's talk to our Savior now. Let's talk to our Lord. And you do it silently, and I'll do it out loud, but I won't describe you. God already knows who you are, so it doesn't, doesn't matter if I know your name or not or describe you, but let's do it together. Forget that all these other people are here, just you and me. Is there anyone in here now silently will put up your hand that today is the day that you trusted Christ as your Savior, and you'd like for me to pray for you. Would you slip up your hand? Anyone, I'll put it up put now. Today is the day. God bless you. Anyone else? All right. I want to speak just to the Christians with heads bowed, eyes closed. At the bottom of the notes I gave you would be three, qu- three prayer requests for yourself. Would you ask God this week for the wisdom to know who you are and whose you are? Would you ask God for the humility to know who you're really not? And would you ask God to help you point someone to Jesus Christ? How many of you would like to have prayer? Because this is a prayer that you're going to have as a heartfelt communication with the Lord for yourself. And you'd like for me to partner with you in that prayer. Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? God bless you. God bless you. Let's pray. Our gracious Heavenly Father, we now come to you. We had a wonderful service today. And so, Father, we thank you for your love for us. We praise you for John the Baptist's teaching that all of us here together can learn the humility that the Lord has for us. Help us to see in the person of Jesus Christ, the one who can meet all of our needs. Help us, Father, to recognize the great gifts and calling you've given us and put alongside all the strength that we need. Help us to live a life letting go of neither of you or letting go neither of your word, but that we, Father, abide in you and abide in your word. Lord, I pray that each of us in this room will know how many things that take our time away from knowing you and serving you. Help us, Lord, to make a real commitment to understanding who you are and what you want to be doing in our lives. And help us not to fill our lives with so many things and activities that we don't have time for the most important thing. You. And obeying you. With the motive of bringing you the greatest glory.